So, okay, don't get mad at me, but it's a Hamilton thing. So, you know, in the Skylar <laughs> Sisters, when Angelica is like, so I've been reading Common Sense by Thomas Paine. All day I've been humming, it's 11 crimes of Doris Paine. All day. That's me. Welcome. That's what happens up here. All day. All day. Pensavali. Hey, Patrick Hines. You guys, welcome to True Crime Obsessed. I, I honestly don't remember how we start the show. I really, I'm at a loss. Yeah, we say hi. Uh, oh, you yeah. talk about the Patreon for 10 minutes. Okay, great, great. <laughs> right. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, find us on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. It's where we do all of our long-form series, and there's over 200 full bonus ad-free episodes to download a bitch right now. So everything from Making a Murderer to The Staircase to Serial to I'll Be Gone in the Dark, girl. Yeah, we just did Heaven's Gate, The Vow, Tiger King. Don't F with cats. And on top of that, we also have just bonus fun apps. After parties where we're just like chatting, catching up on yeah. life. We do, uh, we give you advice sometimes. We send you stuff in the mail sometimes. It's a whole thing. It's so much fun. Yeah, ad free versions of these episodes. There's so much over there on the Patreon. I also, I've been really encouraging the people to join the Facebook group, you guys. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. And I say, come and find your true crime best friends. There's over 35,000 people in the group, girl. Yeah, talk about the episodes, talk about what you're watching. Just come hang out, but be nice. Like, don't be garbage about it. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the life and crimes of Doris Payne. You guys, this is a really interesting documentary for the first 45 minutes, and then you can just turn it off. There, you have my permission. Yeah, because it's like all fun and games and kind of badass. And then Doris kind of turns on us, and it's a real, it's it's a journey. It's a journey and a half. All right, so it starts with this like really long oxygen style coming up on, where like we're just kind of like, we don't really know what's happening. We're in like a lawyer's office with an older black woman who I was like, can only be described as fabulous like yes, i don't yes. know how to explain she looks like she's got everyone's number you know what i mean she looks like- well, that's oh my yes she has everyone's number she's eyeing you she's doing that she's like look what's going on she knows you walk in a room and you're clocked immediately by doris and you know there's some like court case happening and of course you know this is about like a jewel thief but like i was like i don't know if this makes me a monster or not but i am automatically on her side in this moment i don't care what she's done i'm totally on her side absolutely but the thing is it's like it's this montage of of news reports or whatever. A notorious jewel thief has struck again. If you know the jewelry robbery world, she certainly would be in the Hall of Fame. Payne has described herself as pocketing a small fortune in gems and other goods since she was 23 years of age. Before 1999, she was convicted nine different times of jewel robbery throughout the country. This person deserves to be in prison and, and, the sh- and it's like she can't get away with this anymore and the she is this like totally fab but harmless looking little old lady. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell did she do? What, what happened here is my question. And then it's like, well, okay, we'll learn. So six months earlier, we go back in time. Yeah. We have this jazz music. It's this beautiful sunny day. We're window shopping. We're just having a grand old time. We're with Doris and her like best friend since they were kids, Jean. I'm obsessed with the two of them. I'm obsessed with their friendship. Look, I love Jean too, but she commits the cardinal sin. Do you know what it is? What does she do? She smokes inside. Oh. We will eventually get to Jean smoking inside. Jean is amazing, and Jean just wants her friend to stop stealing. Like, I, for, like she, I mean, she's begging her. Jean is a very, very positive influence. I also love that they're shopping, and these ladies are in their 80s, and Jean really wants something that's going to show off her legs. This would go good for me. It's short, and it could show my legs off. Ooh, 
oh, it's, it shows off my legs. Like, let's get this. And Doris is like, Jean, shut up. I'm in my element. I'm in the jewelry department. I got to steal something. Hold up, Jean. I'm at my best. I'm in the jewelry department. Okay. Now, I'd wear those. And Jean is like, look, to us now, because Jean is here talking to us, right? She's a talking yeah. head in this. And she's like, okay, look, we've been friends for basically our entire lives. We fell out of touch for a while. One day I'm at the checkout counter at the grocery yeah. store and my old friend Doris is on the cover of a tabloid. I picked it up. I looked, I took it to the light. I looked, I said, well, I'll be goddamn. This is Doris Payne. I said, what the fuck has she been doing? Jean has like quotes for days in this. She has one-liners, like put them all on t-shirts. And she's I like, know. well, I'll be goddamned. That is Doris I Payne. What the fuck has she been doing? And I'm like, Jean, where have you been all my life, Jean? I know. Do you know that I was once in the National Enquirer? Have we been over this? Are you bad boy? I wish, I wish. <laughs> no, that was weekly world news. I loved this tabloids when I was a kid. Oh, of course you did, sweetheart. Of course I did. Course. I was like a chubby gay kid working at Stop and Shop, but I was in one once. Yeah, tell me about this. Because I went to Tony Curtis's son's funeral. I know that's really sad. I didn't know him. Oh. My mom weirdly kind of knew Tony Curtis. This is so <laughs> gay. Oh my God, this is I the know, best. I know, I know. And so I went to, when his son died tragically of a drug overdose, yeah. uh, I went to the funeral and I got to meet Jamie Lee Curtis and Tony Curtis. And I, my mom introduced me to Tony and I, when I shook his hand there was like somebody took a picture and that was on the inside cover of the national Enquirer. trying to turn this tragedy into something trashy <laughs> to no doubt totally. yeah. that's what they do i thought i was famous and when i bought it at the grocery store the lady at the checkout asked me to sign it she wanted my autograph do you still have a copy of it i did for years i'll have to go see if i can find one i had one for years please please find it we gotta hang it in the office like no like please so we learned that she started at the age of 23, although I think she started a lot younger than that. They say that on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say she's so famous in the criminal world, her life story is about to become a movie starring Halle Berry. At the time of the documentary, they were making a movie about her life with Halle Berry. Did that movie get made? No, it didn't. But look, Yunetta Boone is one of our talking heads. She's the screenwriter yeah. of that movie, who is Doris Payne, that Halle Berry was going to be in. And then it never happened. Why didn't they make the movie? What happened? It just never happened. What's the haps? <laughs> Remember when I was trying to make that a thing like two years ago? Girl, what's the haps? Oh, blo oh I blocked that out. No, <laughs> didn't remember that one at all. So, you know, she Doris says, and she's here with us, right? She's telling us her yeah. life story. And she goes, my methodology of stealing jewelry took me all over the world. Go to New York, Milan. Paris, Rome, London. I didn't even know Rodeo Drive was it. I just went. You don't have to have a destination in mind just so you, you move it. You don't have to have a destination in mind as long as you keep moving. Oh my God, words to live by. She's talking about stealing, Jillian, though. Like she <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But like, this is the thing. You hear this thing and I'm like, that's a cool quote. And then it's like, I'm under her spell only for the first 40 minutes and then I turn on her. Just like she turned on me. Yeah, and like, Will, you know, I go back and forth on this because it's like, oh, she's so great and she seems like such a fun time that I'm like, of course I don't want her to be in trouble ever. Right. But she's done a lot of bad things but then when we initially find out why she started I'm back on her side. We'll get there. We will get there. Well, look, so we meet this guy Richard, right? He's a professor. Doris's form of years in a uh, racist, segregated, impoverished um, social setting had to have a major impact on shaping her and also shaped her attitude toward a society which she may well have believed, like many others in her situation, offers almost no real chance to succeed. She had no real chance to succeed. And I feel like Doris is like, Richard, I was fine. Okay, I handled it. <laughs> Richard. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so yeah. Doris says, you know, it's really about getting into character, like stealing jewels, which is what she yeah. does. And she has like makes no qualms about it. Oh, what she wants to. Sometimes she's like, I've never done anything wrong in my life. And other times she's like, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And walking into Belize or Monte Carlo or whatever, like stealing nine million dollar things. Yeah. But she says yeah. some things where you're like, oh, shit, because she's like, I have to behave so well bred that they would have no idea who I am. I'm sure they don't see me as a black American woman who just walked in. I say that because I've had many, many people to say to me, oh, you're, you're not black. You know, you, you don't act black. Oh, you're not black. You don't act black. And I'm like, oh, shit. I know. And like, and isn't that insane? You right. know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, it reminded me of like when Oprah wanted to buy that bag in Paris and the lady wouldn't show it to her what? and then told Oprah she couldn't afford it because she didn't know who Oprah was. Like, it's so... The world is so fucking racist. And so much of this is about why Doris became such a jewel thief because she's in, she's she's walking into situations like this all the time. And even to be a good jewel thief, she's like, well, I had to dress like someone who they would expect to be in a jewelry store. Yeah. So now we're like with Doris like out in the world, like having like a like a day in the life, right? And we're with Alfred Molina. No, not the actor. You guys. <laughs> Just to like set the scene, we're in his like fancy jewelry store. Uh-huh. And- and he tells us that he invited Doris here because she's a jewel thief. And she he wants to get into the mind of this, like, world-class, notorious jewel thief. But not before he fucking mansplains jewelry to her. When we're dealing with jewelry, everything is about the experience. You know, there's jewelry is not really something that you wear simply to wear jewelry. We both know that it's international currency that it has great liquidity. I'm sure that's that's always helped a little bit, hasn't it? Patrick, I swear to you, like on my life, he is mansplaining jewelry to Doris. He's like, you know, there, it has an international currency. And I'm like, you know, she's an expert on this, right? Like, Number one, my computer knew mansplaining. I do auto dictation to my computer. It knew mansplaining. Of course, of course she did. Yeah, mine too. I mean, come on, girl, please. Yeah. And so Alfred Molina, not the actor, yeah. basically is like asking her, he's, he's totally fangirling over her. As he's mansplaining, yeah. he kind of can't believe she's there. And he's like, how did you take on this specialty? And Doris explains how and why she got into this line of work. So as a little girl, she her mother told her that she would buy her a watch at a store called Mr. Benjamin's if she got straight A's. And so she did. And so she goes to the store and this Mr. Benjamin guy is being really sweet and nice to her and showing her the watches and letting her try them on. And then a white patron walks in. And as this man entered the shop, he wanted me out of that store. It was because I was black and he did not want the gentleman that had entered the shop to see him being so kind and what have you to me. I believe that. I believe that. And so she says, like, he doesn't remember that I still have one of these fancy watches on my fucking wrist. So she's like, fine, I will leave, but I'm going to leave with the watch on and then turn and call to him from outside to show him that he let me walk out with the watch and give it back to him to embarrass him in front of this white guy. Yeah, to be like, hey, I'm still wearing the watch, you racist. Hey, racist. Like, (laughs) come on. And then, and so on top of that, just dealing with this horrible racism her entire life from when she was a child, then we learned that she had this really abusive father who was abusive to her and her mom. We're told by Yunetta, the screenwriter, that her dad felt that he didn't deserve a woman as beautiful as her mother. That sentence starts off really sweetly, doesn't it, girl? Um. And as Doris describes, 
A man who felt he didn't deserve a woman as beautiful as her mom, so he wanted to beat the pretty out of her. So he wanted to beat the pretty out of her. I mean, holy fucking shit. Like, I gasped. Because I was like, oh, yay, she had a sweet dad. And then she finished the sentence, and I gasped. I couldn't, like, fucking believe what I was hearing. Fucking men. I wasn't that shocked, yeah. honestly. I was horrified by it, but I was like, no, he's a man, so that tracks. Yeah, and so we learned that Doris's mother could not see her way out of that marriage. Like, knew that it was bad, was getting the shit beaten out of her all the time, but she couldn't get out of it. Doris's mother didn't know how to get out of that situation herself. It spurned her and inspired her to fix the situation. I just wanted, really, to take care of my mom. That's, that's it. I'm actually really good at stealing things. I'm gonna get my mom out of this shitty fucking marriage. Yeah, so she gets on a bus to Pittsburgh and she goes, I I, I know I could go in there and be successful. Like, the confidence. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, and, like, this is the I first know. time she just walks in and steals a diamond. She sells it. She gives her mom the money to get the hell away from the abusive father. And this, in the context of it, it's so empowering for Doris. Because, one, yes. she is a black girl in a jewelry store stealing diamonds, selling it, giving her mom the ability to leave this horrible relationship. I didn't feel like I had become a thief. No, I didn't. I felt like I'm smarter. I got this and I sold it today. In that context, you're just like, I totally get it. And you want to root for Doris, totally. A million percent. And that is why her story is so fucking fascinating. And she says, I did not feel like I became a thief. She's like, I felt like I became a mm -hmm. woman who could take care of myself and my family. And she said, she's like, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but like, I started stealing because of racism. Like, and, the, yes. and I'm like, say it, say it louder for the people yeah. in the back. Because she's like, in the back of my head, I was like taking all these diamonds from these white people being like, hey, take that. Like, it was something she can do. It was a way to have control or feel like she has control over the situation. She starts to say, weird problematic things right away though <laughs> I mean in the same breath and yeah. the thing is she's good at it like she has yeah, a natural totally. ability to do this because she's like when I first started it was so easy to do impossible to get caught at I did not think it was stealing I thought I'm not giving it back there is a difference Right. <laughs> Doris. Because what I want her to stick to is I was stealing because of racism. Not trying to gaslight me into thinking it's not stealing. It's stealing, Doris. It's stealing. I'm on your side right now, but it's stealing. But at the time, like, she was so good at it physically of actually taking the stuff. But she was, quote, bad at it because she didn't even know what she was stealing or what it was worth. Yeah. Like, she didn't know any yeah. of that. And she said she goes, Sometimes I would get them so quickly I wouldn't know nothing about what I had. I cannot go from store to store and ask them to take me can I it's not like you can ask and I'm like very good point <laughs> But as she's getting better and doing it more often, she realizes that she needs a partner. So she meets this woman, Ada, who introduces her to this guy named Babe. And they meet at this place called the Club Caprice. Right out of Dick Tracy, right? Right out of Dick Tracy. Because you know Doris is so beautiful. Like in every police report, it literally says like she could be a model. So you know like whatever 1950s year that was oh. that she went to the club to meet the guy, she looks like a zillion dollars, you know? A hundred percent. I also wanted it to be this cool like two women against the world I thought Ada was gonna be the partner I know me too me too me too I'm bummed it was babe but so you know Doris is talking about this guy babe number one what a name what a name babe I love it let's meet up with babe at Club Caprice because he's got the hats <laughs> on the diamond thievery <laughs> what's the haps babe well that's the only place you say it back in totally. Dick Tracy that's it. Yeah. that's it and Doris says he was okay guys get ready for some more problematic language 
language from Ada yep. Doris, who we love at this point. She says, He was the best thing I ever met. Babe was highly educated. Babe was the only Jew boy to go to college at University of Alabama. Oh, Doris. Doris. Oof, Maron. What are you, why? <laughs> why are we going, okay. And also though, like that's shitty that that was true. Like and, uh, she's using not the best totally. words for it. Again, yeah, like yeah. she was a product of her time in a lot of ways. And one of the totally. ways is like, she says phrases like this and she'll say them again. Yeah, that's not the last time you guys. No. So, Babe, back in the day, is saying to her, all right, if we're going to go into business together, I want to see how you do this. So they get on a flight, they go to Chicago, you guys, and they are doing their tricks all over town. And we learn about her sort of, like, sleight of hand magic. Okay. This is physically. <laughs> we get into, like, physically how she'd end up yeah. walking out. So, she, you know, she's in character. She's yeah. dressed to the nine. She, quote, looks like someone who should be in a jewelry store, whatever that means. And yeah. they start the sleight of hand game. Which is to get several pieces. Look at them, look at them, look at them. Move them around, wear them. Movement, constant movement. Move them around, move them around at a dizzying pace. Then what she'll do is distract the sales clerk who'll look away and she grabs one. So she'd be picking them up and then she'd yeah. distract the salesperson and that's when she'd grab one. And she'd say, now, wait a second, hold on. What happened to that six carat yellow diamond with a few inclusions? And then they look for yeah. it and who finds it? Doris finds it yes. because now, as Unetta says, well, now she's trustworthy and then she has right. you and then she has you. And so, you know, she says like, again, she distracts the guy. He looks away. She takes something smaller. It's not the six carat thing that she just quote found. It's like something smaller, you know, and she puts it on and she walks out of the store and that's how she does it. And babe is like, okay, that was amazing and sexy as hell. Let's do this. Come on. <laughs> it's worth saying it comes up again. We'll say it again, I'm sure. But like, you can't do this now. You can't no. get away with this now because there's video cameras and there's camera cameras and everybody knows what you look like. But like back in the day, there was a lot of trust in the world. I mean, she can talk in circles like no one I've ever seen. And when you're dressed really nicely and the yeah. clerk or, you know, the person thinks you can afford it, they want to be nicer to you because this could be a big payday for the store. Meanwhile, it's walking out the door. Yeah. Why it's good for her to have Babe on her team is because Babe knows all the brokers in New York City. He knew brokers in New York. You always get the best money if you sell to broker. And babe, he was connected. He made a lot of money off of me, and I made a lot of money through him. I trusted him, or at least I told myself I did. I trusted him. At least I told myself I did. And I went, Ooh. what happens? What happens? Drama, Doris. Drama. <laughs> I know. I mean, Unetta, this is going to make a great movie. I don't know why it didn't get made, girl, but I will finance it myself. Yeah, let's make this happen. Hallie, what are you doing? I know. So now we're back present day with Alfred Molina and Doris, right? And he hands her a $900,000 ring and she puts it on. Yeah. I mean, Unetta, put this part in your movie because this is you can't yeah. write this shit. It's, this is, I have so much to say. So you go first. <laughs> so she's putting the ring on and almost like on cue, this cop shows up and it's like, hi, yeah. party's over. You got to contact your probation <laughs> officer immediately. She said, and your court orders specifically say you cannot be in Saks Fifth Avenue or anywhere in the I mall. I haven't been in. Uh, you cannot be in this mall. You're restricted well, from the this entire plaza. The judge did plaza. not say that. Well, there is a court order and I verified that through your probation officer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the entire plaza oh. is off limits. Doris doesn't skip a beat. She goes, um, the court said Macy's. I don't, this is not a Macy's. The court said Macy's. And, and suddenly, this back and forth, like the confidence on both of them. Um, excuse me, this is not Macy's. And the cop is like, okay, girl, you can't be in this mall. Yeah. You can't be trying on million dollar diamond rings. Thank you so much, Doris Payne. Then, like, we see Doris out in the hallway of the mall arguing with this cop. Like, the 
food court. Like she's in <laughs> like like with the water feature. She's like in the middle of the mall fighting with the cop. There's an orange Julius behind her. The big pretzel thing is right there. It's like the whole, the totally. Cinnabons, it's all there. The other thing I want to say here is if you remember, this Alfred Molina guy is bringing her into his like super fancy expensive jewelry store to like, quote, find out how she did it. But also because he's a fucking fan of her work. Yes. And I'm thinking, Alfred, she's conning you right now. 100%. Like she is charming the pants off you and maybe she's not going to slip that $900,000 ring in her pocket today with the cameras here, but she's going to come back and say hi to her best friend Alfred next week and steal that shit. What is wrong with you? I got news for you. I think she would have walked out because we see her later, spoiler, steal something on camera. So please, yeah, she yeah. would have done it in a heartbeat. But now Doris is sitting for her interview and she gets a phone call and it's her son, Ronnie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is, it's a really like nice relationship. No, I'm wrong. Yeah. It's a little complicated. <laughs> so we see Ronnie and she's describing her son, Ronnie. as He's not a beggar of money or anything like that for me. Ronnie has never in his life asked me for $200. Never. He's standing on his own. He never asks her for money. He's standing on his own two feet. Right. And then we meet Ronnie and he is yeah. like, it's very clear he's drunk or he's high. He's on something. And Doris is not thrilled about it immediately. You been smoking? No, I, I had a beer. I, I knew you had something. I did. I had to have a beer. This shit just knows. She's all mad that he had a beer. And I was like, well, Doris, I was on your side. But I'm going to need you to lighten up on a, on a cocktail or two here or there. Right. And then you realize, like, it's not a beer, Ronnie. No, it's not beer. Yeah. And so now the friend, Jean, comes in and she's like, what did Doris tell you? No, no, no. What happens is, is that, like, Ronnie gets two grand a month. He get it today. Two days later, he ain't got a dime. And he expects his mother to pick up the slack for him. <laughs> Something's wrong with him. And she knows something is wrong with him. She said she thinks he's using crack. Ronnie's going through it. Ronnie is an addict. Doris, it's complicated. She wants to help him, but she doesn't want to give him money if it's going to go to something bad. And it, there's just like a lot. Just to point it out here, we never really do get a full sense of how much money Doris has in the bank account. Like we find out eventually she's living in a halfway house. Like it seems like she doesn't have any money. So right. who knows? Like Doris is truly the definition of an unreliable narrator. Oh, I mean, and she's proud of it. Yeah. Like by nature. Totally. So we have Ronnie, the son, right? Now Donna is here. Kind of. Kind of. Donna's in shadow. Donna does not want her face seen. Right, but we still hear her regular voice, so I don't I, I don't get I why people do this, but if she feels more comfortable to tell, and she spills all right, the tea, so like, Donna, great. And so Jean yeah. is like, her daughter is altogether different. Donna takes care of herself. She works sometimes double shifts. She don't ask Doris for nothing. And so Donna tells us this wild story about how she first met her mother, Doris. And it's bananas. She's like, I was 16 years old when my mom came like looking for me. Up to that point, girl, I had been told my mom was dead. I was 16. She was in my bedroom. She had on a brown full length mink coat with a matching hat. I just thought how pretty she was. That was the first time I'd seen her because my father had raised myself and my brother. We don't know who her dad is. We don't know how Doris met her dad. And I guess he just told them that their mother was dead. And then she shows up. And Donna's like, she was beautiful and exotic. And she wanted me to go live with her. Yeah, she doesn't just show up. She shows up in like a cloud of smoke, presumably, wearing a full length <laughs> mink coat and a matching hat dripping in diamonds. <laughs> And there she is standing in the doorway with the arm up and the long cigarette holder. And Donna, 16-year-old Donna is like, Mom, what? But then 
a year later, she's at, again, the checkout line at the grocery store or whatever. I was 17 when I found out what my mom did for a living because it was in the paper. What was going through my head was, wow. I was afraid, but it did not change the fact that she was my mom and that I loved her. She finds out all about her mother because she read about it in the paper as a 17-year-old. I know, I know. But, like, they have a great relationship, like, to this day. Yeah, I I mean, she's got good stories. So, I mean, Thanksgiving must be fun. Oh, my God. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving at Doris's house, I can only imagine. And I'll take any holiday, you know? like. But, like, watch your wallet, everybody. Nothing is, you know what I mean? Leave the valuables at home. I know. I swear I was wearing shoes when I got here. No? Yeah, I just, where's my... If it were me, I'd be like, did I wear a bra? Probably not. (laughs) We're back to Doris and Ronnie. And like, this is sort of the other story that's happening in this episode is like, we're learning that Doris has a court case coming up in a month. Mm -hmm. You know, Ronnie is like, she's not going anywhere. They can't prove anything. We don't really know yet what happened, but we just know that this is like the pending thing that's happening right now. Well, it's Macy's. Remember with the cop before? And she was like, excuse (laughs) me, the court said Macy's. This is why. Okay. So Doris is like, I'm accused of walking out of Macy's department store with a diamond ring. I think they said a carrot and a half, $8,000. I am accused of walking out of a Macy's with a diamond ring that's worth like eight grand, okay? But I didn't do any of it. And we're like, okay. The most surprising part of that entire story is that Macy's is selling $8,000 rings. Did that surprise anyone else? Who knew? I also know like nothing about department stores or what like I, I would also believe you if you told me that Macy's only sold eight thousand dollar rings. <laughs> Macy's is where I go to get my like forty dollar Levi jeans. The fact that they're selling like diamond rings worth eight thousand dollars, that's a surprise to me. It'd be like going to Sears for like some bling, you know? Sure. Yes. I'm just gonna guess at you, because department stores girl, like what? So now we meet Doris's lawyer, Gretchen von Helms, who Gretchen girl. (laughs) The friend Jean at some point is going to tell Gretchen she's a great lawyer. I don't necessarily agree, girl. Look, I (laughs) know it's no simple feat. It's no easy feat being a lawyer. Got to pass the bar. I totally get that. I just feel like there's got to be some kind of class in law school about just like reading the room or knowing your audience. Gretchen is totally a pain at the five. I'm convinced of it. Well, you know, I'm sorry. Gretchen's you. She was fucking duped by Doris big time. And it starts here. (laughs) This is why I did not become a lawyer. This and a hundred other reasons is why I did not become a lawyer. So... The whole thing about this Macy's thing with Detective Thomas and Doris and all this stuff, according to Doris, our unreliable narrator, she's sitting in her lawyer's office and she's like, Gretchen, no, no, no. Here's what happened. This detective came up to me and asked me about my past, about being this badass thief and was like, how do you steal jewelry? And so because I'm nice, I told him everything I do about how I steal jewelry. You know, I'm going to tell you how I do it. Not that crime. He was talking about... Your past. Oh. Okay. What I want to show our jury is that your mindset when you're talking to this police officer is about past conduct. It's not about this conduct. 
I was talking about my past. I wasn't talking about the incident where I stole Macy's. That's not what I was talking about, okay? And she flatly denies that she stole the ring at Macy's. She claims she wasn't even there. And so we learn about this surveillance video, which we then see. And to Doris's credit, you can't really tell who it is. We see this woman walking away from the jewelry counter. This woman is the jewel thief. You can't tell who it is. But Doris is saying the woman behind the counter, the woman who like got the ring stolen from her, described this woman not looking anything like her. Yes, it was a black woman, but the woman described her as having a big afro. Doris is like, I've never worn an afro in my life. I don't think the woman in the video has an afro, but I guess it's kind of hard to tell. But that's Doris's linchpin. It wasn't me. I wasn't there. The shopkeeper described somebody else, and that's not me on the video. Essentially, our argument is that a black woman did this conduct on the day in question. Then they do internet research and they, oh, Doris Payne. Well, she's an African-American female. She's a, a lot older than we thought that this person looked, but close enough. Okay, so what, they're just gonna like blame the black woman? Right. Okay, fine. Like, I'm I'm there with you on this. But the thing, Doris is the one who tells us that the clerk said Afro. Nobody else says that to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, but usually I'm like, yeah, can we not just like blame black people for everything? For fuck's sake, society, Jesus Christ. Yeah, except for that, like, the salesperson, like, knows that it was a black person right. in this instance. You know, you know what I, mean? totally. I agree with you a million percent. However, in this case, we know for sure. <laughs> Can we just tell, she did it, right? Like, you're getting, yes. this is clear. She stole yes, the she, fucking thing and she says this, but she tells us as much. Yes, yes. And she's gaslighting all of it. Because right now, I believe her. I'm kind of like, I'm on Doris' side. A hundred percent. You know how we feel about surveillance video. You can't see anything. It like no. jumps every two seconds. And so the lawyer like has a decent case here, right? And so yes. I just, feel like so that we're not trying to step around our words we have to let the people know doris admits that she stole the ring at macy's eventually but she does a lot of lying about it first in the end she she admits that she did it now we're with doris like sitting on a bench thumbing through town and country magazine and she says straight up town and country was the magazine that i used to find out where the finest jewelry salons were I would look who was advertising in town and country and I would go and steal from them. Right. And that was part of her prep, like her research of what to do. And then let me tell you, you know how Jean, Doris's best friend, is like she will not stop stealing? Yeah. Here's why. Here's why we know Jean's telling the truth. Because now, today, while this film is being made, Doris and Jean are at like a flea market, right? And they're perusing the jewelry. I don't like this. This is a very different thing than like stealing from Cartier. You shouldn't steal from anywhere. I understand that. I agree. Stealing from like a local artist is real this is one of those moments where i was like oh right and because it's meant to be like how charming and funny is this it's not so you know they're asking a lot of questions we're seeing the sleight of hand in action right and they walk away and doris is giddy and she's like i got one in my pocket i stole something i got one in my pocket look Nothing is done. I guess as the filmmaker, you just sort of have to let life happen. But nothing happens. And then it becomes sort of a joke because Jean is like, God damn it, I can't take her anywhere. Like, I'm begging her (laughs) to stop stealing. And then this is so frustrating because then it's like Doris and Jean. Because Jean's like, girl, can you go back and like give that ring back? And Doris does this like really frustrating thing where she starts arguing semantics. I tell her, if you take anything, let me know. And I'd say put that back. I wouldn't put it back. Stubborn. She wanted it. She's going to take it. She ain't going to give it up. I didn't take it to put back. I took it to get it. 
we're going to have a moment with her, like, in a minute where that really happens. And that's kind of where I turn on her because, yeah. like, all of a sudden it sounds nasty. It's not adorable and cute anymore. It sounds nasty and mean. And we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Yes. So we're getting more of her backstory. We sort of find out, like, when she goes solo. Babe, the guy Babe was, like, really in love with her. And, you know, we get this cool backstory about how, like, you know, they would go to places that, like, mixed race couples didn't go at the time. And if anybody gave them any shit, Babe would kick their ass. And, like, that's really fucking cool to hear. But, like... Doris wasn't really into him. She was into him because he was into her and she needed him for the selling of the jewelry. But she eventually grows tired of it because all she cares about is stealing diamonds. And so she throws him away, kind of. And then he, like, takes his revenge. Yeah, like, he's so upset by this. What, like, the story we get is that he wanted, quote, the other part. Like, he wanted to also be sleeping with her and she wasn't into it. And it's like, hey, when people aren't into it, you just got to accept it and move on and don't be a dick about it. And so he also was like, oh, you're nothing without me. Turns out she's pretty great on her own. Doris is fine, babe. Doris is fine. He was so upset that she could do this on her own because she learned a lot from him. So she's like, I'm going solo. So one time when they get arrested. When they got arrested and he pleaded out and left her on her own. That was the end for them. Babe is like, she did it. It's her. It's all Doris. I did nothing. (laughs) Totally pleaded out, left her high and dry bailed and Doris is like oh shit he agrees to testify against her yeah babe stood up and pointed in the courtroom like it was her no questions asked that one scorned lover you guys oh my god we're we're back with Gretchen and Doris now (laughs) Gretchen the attorney like Gretchen seems like a very nice person she seems like she would be involved in the gifting table so I kind of like her but she's not very good at this I just don't think Gretchen knew what she was getting into taking this case I think Gretchen maybe knew she was getting into a documentary and maybe that had something to do with it. (laughs) Maybe. But like we're doing like a West Wing style walk and talk where basically like she's explaining to Doris like, bitch, you could really go to jail for this. At some point we reach a decision in the case. I understand. Whether we go forward to trial and we know what the risk rewards are. Risk is that we lose and you get five years. Rewards are that we win and you get zero. What Gretchen's trying to do here is because I think Gretchen is starting to get, oh, wait a second. Doris, like, lies a lot. There's a lot of inconsistencies (laughs) here. She says inconsistencies, but I think she's trying to say, like, Doris, girl, like, you're lying. So what Gretchen is trying to do is get Doris off on a technicality. That's that's the only thing they have to stand on now because Doris is lying and Gretchen knows it. And she's like, well, maybe we can lean into this video thing because no one can really prove it's you or not you on the video. Let's go with that. Then we calculate, essentially, the percentage chance that we have to win. We have a video, not that good, Uh of you, allegedly, in the Macy's department store. Uh And so we kind of calculate and then say, what are our probabilities with that type of evidence of actually winning the case? Yeah, they don't have a very strong case, you guys. If you can't tell, it's not going to go great. It's not going to go great. You know what, though? Uh-huh. We're going to learn all about Doris's European adventures. And this is where the, the screenwriter is saying, like, It's no different than George Clooney and Brad Pitt in Ocean's 13. She sees herself as that caliber of con. 
You go to Ocean's 13 and not Ocean's 11, the original? Which is the one where Julia Roberts plays Julia Roberts in that moment? Oh, I don't know. I gave up after Ocean's 11. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go to 12 and 13 and 18 or whatever. There is a moment in one of the ones where Julia Roberts' character has to pretend she's Julia Roberts, no. and it is genius. Yes, yes, it is genius. Like, they say the words, like, I have to pretend to be Julia Roberts, like she says that. And then you see her character as Julia Roberts no. talking to Bruce Willis as Bruce Willis. You're lying it's amazing. To me. This is I bit, swear like, to God, it's so good. It's like one of my favorite things I've ever seen in a movie. Would you like a week? What are you doing in Ray? Well, I'm here on vacation. <laughs> You are not supposed to fly after you're eight months pregnant. I know. Is Danny I know. here? Of course. Danny. You no, know, no, no, no. I mean, yes. He's working. Yes, yes, and no. I believe you and Val Kilmer on the pancakes before I believe Julia Roberts <laughs> had to pretend to be Julia Roberts. <laughs> In a scene with Bruce Willis. It's amazing. It's so fucking. I love those movies. All right, now I have to look it up. Now that's my night. I know. Thanks a lot. I know. <laughs> and so what the screenwriter is saying is like, you have to understand, like, this is the 50s, 60s, 70s. Like, Doris was in social circles where she usually would have been the maid. That's what they say. I know. So Doris is saying, all I had to do to pull this off in Europe was look the part. Europeans are real sticklers for proper behavior. And so I knew the only assessment a salesperson is going to make of me is I am proper in my behavior and I'm dressed correctly. That does not mean shit in New York. That shit does not work in New York. And I was like, I've never been prouder to be a New Yorker because totally. that is so true. Yes. If you were to like get all dressed up to go diamond shopping, nobody would, like, you'd be the jewel thief, you know? A hundred percent. And the thing is, Doris is like, I kind of see prison as in jail or whatever as a cost of doing business. She sees it all part of the game. It's kind of fun yeah. to her. And she's like, whatever. I don't even keep track of how many times I've been in jail. Who cares? Mostly because she was an escape artist. And Doris <laughs> says to us, she's like, to tell you my most daring escape. Yes. I know. What, what do you think we're doing here, Doris? Yes. Tell us the story. So here we go. She says she went to Switzerland to like steal a bunch of shit, right? You guys, this story is bananas. She says she had a field day. She walked into a store, had a field day. And she says, you know, I went back to the hotel that night. I wanted to like change and lay low until it was dark out and then get the fuck out of Switzerland. So she gets dressed up to like go to a nightclub. You know, she she looks like she's so beautiful even to this day yeah. this woman is so beautiful so like back then i cannot imagine what she was wearing i changed my clothes but i lay low until dark so i take a cab to this nightclub i go there because the place that it's at is closest to the French border. So she decides that she's going to take a cab to this nightclub because this nightclub is near the French border. I don't know why she has to stop at the nightclub. Do you? It's the 70s. It's disco. <laughs> I think she's probably feeling like real good after this field day and she wants to party. But we learn that this nightclub would broadcast the dance floor on television. Like, you can watch people dance at this disco. Except that Doris is the only one who doesn't know. So Doris tells us, she's like, I'm not really a drinker. I was like, oh, someone just got disinvited from that Christmas party, first of all. But Doris has a cocktail. She gets up on the dance floor. She's supposed to be running to France. Right. She was supposed to get dropped off at this nightclub and fucking hightail it across the border to somewhere in the middle of France. No, she's dancing. And Doris does not know that she 
she's being broadcast all over Switzerland. And so, like, I guess it's somehow, somewhere, the guy she stole the jewelry from was like, oh, my God, that's the lady that stole the jewelry. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't, like, was she that famous or mo- that well-known? I don't know how it happened, know. but I'm still, like, you're broadcasting the dance floor on, like, public access? Okay, whatever. <laughs> so, the lights come on. She's arrested. Okay, tell me I understood this, right? They just no, this timeline is very murky, so we'll do this together. Okay, what I have is that the police put her on a train alone to Geneva, this nonstop train to Geneva where someone was going to meet her and take her into custody. Yeah, like it's this weird thing where the cops are like, we arrested you, but you got to go to, like you're going downtown to Geneva, right? And so she's traveling alone, like nobody goes with her. She says it's supposed to be a nonstop train. The train was supposed to be nonstop. It stopped for water. I jumped off. I jumped off the train. It was funny too later, because I look so bad. But of course the train makes a fucking stop. For water? (laughs) Which I'm like, look, stay hydrated. I already need a refill on my water. I get it. Everyone stay hydrated. But you have a criminal. Like, what? She's just alone on a train? Like, I don't get it. And then she's like, so I jumped. And of course, in her telling of it, she jumps into like a briar patch and barbed fence. She doesn't care. She's off the train. And then she says, and an African picked me up. And I tell him I need to get out of Switzerland. Some quote African comes to pick her up and drives her out of Switzerland. If you're gonna like break out of your of where you came from, can we drop the I racism know. too? The like casual racism. Then it cuts back to the screenwriter who wrote the movie about her. She goes, "That is so classy, Doris Payne." Classic Doris. There she classic goes again. Doris. Hilarious. <laughs> God, she's so great. Suddenly, we get some on-screen text, and yeah. we learn that the filmmakers received a call from Doris's parole officer. And Doris is using them as her alibi. So this is where everything turned for me. Totally. And all of a sudden, Doris became mean and nasty and immediately somebody that I never wanted to meet or be around. Like, you just cannot trust her. So this conversation that is had is way too confusing to understand. And that's how Doris wants it. 100%. All she does is talk in circles. Yes. And so she's using this guy as her alibi for where she was the day that they're saying she stole the ring from Macy's. Right. Like an actual alibi, like roping the filmmaker into her like thievery. And the filmmaker's like, well, that's funny because I was at the dentist on the 19th. And Doris is yeah. like, no, 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 I know, I know. And I told them that. I said I was yeah. going, like, she's caught, right? And she knows yeah. she's caught. Yeah. She's trying to talk her way out of it. She's not making any sense. She's talking in circles. And then she tries to turn it around on him yeah. because the filmmaker's like, yeah, but Doris, you weren't with me. My question to you is- And I have answered it. You're going too far. No. Yes, all, all I want to know about. All you need to the know about now is, the is just say she wasn't here. If he does call me again, you can say I wasn't there. If it makes you feel saintly, you can say that. Fine. If he calls again, you can say I wasn't here. If it makes you feel saintly to say that, then you can say it. And that's where I was like, Doris, come on. And she literally says to him, she says, I wish you would say that I was here. But if you're not going to do that, that's fine. If it makes you feel saintly? And you can see the guy. Like, I feel like I've been him. You can see the guy hunched over trying to make sense of what she's saying. And she is intentionally not making any sense. And that's where I got mad. She's a pathological liar. She just is. 
Yes, this woman is a pathological liar and she doesn't care and she doesn't care who she hurts and like it's all been fun and games up to this point but like this is kind of where the whole thing goes off a cliff for me. Yeah, and then like we kind of don't go back to that at all. It's like, okay, she lied, the filmmaker called her out and now we're like going to Monte Carlo right. about <laughs> some like big big other story, like the biggest heist of her career or whatever. She read somewhere probably in Town and Country or whatever magazine it is, Home and Garden, that like Monte Carlo is where like the rich and famous people go. Like that's where if you have money, if you're somebody, that's where you go. So she wants to pull a heist at the Cartier and Monte Carlo. Right, but like this is where I'm like, Doris, like she's the only one telling us the story and none of it makes right. any sense because she's yeah, like... <laughs> She, like, takes a cab to Cartier, and she steals a ring, but, like, not just any diamond ring. Yeah. She looks at us, and she's like... And I looked at that ring, and I saw nine zeros. Never saw that many in my life. Well, the price tag had nine zeros on it. That's a billion dollars. <laughs> and I just don't think that's yeah. true. Because, like, the entire world would be looking for Dar. A billion dollar a ring. Billion dollars. That's not something that they hand to you so you can have your sleight of hand game. That right. shit is in 18 safes. Right. Like, enough. Right. Like, that's fucking Ocean's Eleven shit where you have to with totally. the lasers and all this bullshit. Totally. There's no way. She's just like, that they, 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 they would write on those old sticky tags one billion dollars with all those zeros on it like no we get this whole story whether it's true or not who knows at the airport they stop her mm -hmm. she puts the diamond in her mouth and then she fake sneezes and puts it in her boot they can't find it according to Doris there's no women's prison in Monte Carlo so they have to put her up at the fucking Four Seasons like what <laughs> and I'm like oh like whatever she pries the diamond off the mounting she throws the mounting in the Mediterranean Sea <laughs> There's this whole banana story about how they're like carting her off to prison, but they stop at a nunnery where the nun is like, do you want to use the bathroom? And Doris makes a break for her. I had a feeling the nun wanted me to go. So I just walked out of the hospital. I think the nun wanted me to get away with it because she's like, go to the bathroom. I think you definitely have to go to the bathroom. And Doris is like, okay. Yeah. Jumps out the bathroom window and hails a cab, goes to the <laughs> airport and ends up in New York with the diamond. And then she's like, yeah, well, you know, I sold it. This thing is worth, again, one billion with a B dollars. You guys, Jillian's mad. She's mad. Just don't lie to me, Doris. Like, I if know. you're gonna own the jewel thief shit, then fucking run with it. Be honest about it. Like, I, yeah. be honest about your thievery. I, I'm not making a joke. I truly mean that. Like, just get real with me. Because then the guy's like, the filmmaker's like, oh shit, you sold that billion dollar ring? Like, who's the buyer? Who did you meet with? A buyer. Who was the buyer? Um, I'm not uh, going to say that. I'm never. I haven't this far. FBI haven't. After, I'm not going to do that. I can do that. You shouldn't ask me that. You shouldn't have asked me that. That's really rude. And then I'm like, you know what's rude? Lying and stealing. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, I, she sold it for 148 grand. I thought it was a billion dollars, Doris. I know. <laughs> All right. Like, whatever. <laughs> a billion dollar ring just sitting there with that sticky tag on it. Give me a break. I know. And so we're at the end of it now. And we're back with her like today. And her attorney is explaining to her, you guys, this is bananas. Her attorney is explaining to her that she has an offer on the table from the judge in this Macy's thing. This is what the judge has indicated. He feels that three months in custody would suffice. Mm -hmm. I know you don't want to do a day of custody. I don't want you to do a day of custody, right? 
But I'm telling you the compromise that the judge has come up with. Doris is like, yeah, that's really not going to work for me because it's hard for me to breathe in cold weather. Yeah. Like, Doris is just like, she really is just like, mm, that's. Not, I'm going to need you to. I'm going to need you to get me less time. Like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing when she was being offered three months and this judge taking pity on her, and she's just saying no. And and you can even hear Gretchen getting frustrated with her. Right. And so then, like, whatever, the trial's over because it's all about the sentencing part now, right? And so like, right. So yeah. Doris is found guilty because she did it and she could be sentenced to five years and the judge is like look we tried to settle this you wanted to go to trial we could (laughs) we could very easily not be having this conversation but here we are this judge is out of his mind this judge is like I've never seen anything like this this judge is looking at both attorneys being like tell me what to do at one point he literally says to Gretchen okay Miss Gretchen Von Helms uh, what should I do uh, what do I do here? Because he doesn't want it. Like, she has charmed this judge, too. He basically is like, she's a sweet old lady. I really don't want to send her to jail. Please don't make me. He's like, she's 80 years old. Like, I could be persuaded yes. to give you a lower sentence. And the prosecution is not having it. They have victim impact statements where this woman calls her a psychopath. And Gretchen <laughs> goes, but there's so much more to her. And the judge, like, pulls out the long piece of paper. He's like, and there's more to her than her 32 aliases. Yes, Your Honor. There's more to her than her 10 different days. Dates of birth. Yes, you're And there's more to her than her 11 social security numbers. Yes. Nine names on passports. I mean, doesn't that smack of criminal sophistication? But then all of a sudden, like this judge, all he wants to do is let her go home. All of a sudden, Doris is yelling at the judge. Doris is like, if you're going to give me the death penalty, Doris. I'm going to stand on the truth. Stop it. And be- <laughs> stop. Doris, stop. I'm asking you nicely to stop. I and know. so, like, the judge is like... I'm sentencing you for five years, girl. Like, it's clear you're not going to stop stealing. I don't know what to tell you. Like, come on. Can I just say one thing? You mentioned the victim impact statement that happened. I want to talk about this for one second. Because as a person who's had 800 of these jobs, the victim impact statement came from the woman who was working the counter when Mm -hmm. Doris stole the ring. Which, by the way, she admits to in, like, the credits. Yes. So we know she actually did do this. And, like, this woman is saying that, like... You do not consider that there may be repercussions to your victims... For you to have such consideration would mean that you have some feelings for others. We know that is not true. As a psychopath, there is no consideration for feelings for others. And truly, you are a psychopath. And when this ring goes missing, the store is going to think that lady did it. Which means there's going to be an investigation into that lady. She's going to be suspended, probably without pay. And even if she didn't steal it herself, she let somebody else walk away with it. She's still in big fucking trouble. This woman works at Macy's in a mall. She probably makes $11 an hour. She fucking needs that job. You know what I mean? This is where I get mad because it's like, like, these are working people. These are like real people. Like at a fucking Macy's, Doris. Like I'm on this woman's side. And Doris just gets more and more monstrous at the very end because the filmmaker in the end like when Doris admits to him that she did this he's like do you have any apologies no who's there to apologize to and the filmmaker says how about that lady who made the victim impact statement and she says no I don't owe her an apology it's not her ring 
Yeah, and the filmmaker's like, wait, what? And Darcy's like, I don't know how else to tell you but in English. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, I know. Like, no remorse for any of it. And it's like, you really had me in the first half, Doris. You really, really did. I know. I know. I know. I know. Doris. I, oh, oh, and then as the credits are rolling, we see Doris had gotten out of jail early for good behavior. She's back in jail. For a $22,000 ring. I mean, immediately. I she just keeps stealing. <laughs> she's getting arrested. She's getting let out early because she's 88. And then yeah. like rinse, repeat. It's it's just this vicious cycle. And the judge was kind of right. Like she's never going to stop. It, at this point, it's a compulsion. No, like she can not yeah. help but steal things whether it's a $22,000 ring or like something an artist made at a flea market Doris come on now <laughs> I know you look great in those outfits but that can't save you from everything no. oh my god we did wait what is this one called this is called the life and crimes of Doris Payne yeah, I wish they had made the movie with Halle Berry. It would be an interesting thing to watch. Maybe they will one day. Who knows? I know. <laughs> you guys, if you want more Julian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 200 full bonus ad-free episodes to download a bitch right this second. We just finished Night Stalker. Uh, right after that, we did Heaven's Gate, the culty yeah, one. Yeah, we did The Vow. Serial, The Staircase. Uh, what else? Name two more. Tiger King, Don't F with Cats, Lorena. All those oh, yeah. jinx, Making a Murderer. All the ones that have like a bunch of episodes we've done. What are we doing next, girl? We are doing... Operation Varsity Blues on Netflix about the college admission scandal. Oh, is that like the Felicity Huffman, Lori Loughlin one? Yeah, starring Matthew Modine. It's like half documentary, half film because it's all based on the phone transcripts of these stupid, privileged, rich, right people being like, can you like get my kid into college? It's amazing. It's kind of it's insane. <laughs> all right, you guys, stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our ridiculous and hilarious outtakes, which I can only imagine from this episode. I mean, come on. Um, And we love you, you guys. We love you. Thanks so much for hanging out. All right, bye. Bye. All of our friends are only talking about one thing, and it's this story. An FBI investigation called Operation Varsity Blues. USC... UCLA and Rick Singer. The mastermind behind the entire operation. Is there any risk that this thing blows up in my face? We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. So I've done 761, what I would call side doors. The front door means getting in on your own. So I've created this kind of side door in because my families want a guarantee. There aren't many federal cases where you have 50 people indicted for a crime. It truly is amazing what people will say on the phone when they don't know the feds are listening. If somebody were to catch this, what happens? The only way someone can catch it is if you guys tell someone. I'm gonna do over 730 of these side doors this year. It's the home run of home runs. And it works? Every time. Everything's great. Fiona's great. Mike's great. Great. Yep. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm full of shit, but I mean that genuinely. I'm actually doing really well. Is that weird? Why is that so? Why does nobody believe me when I say that? I believe you, girl. It's just funny to hear you say it seven times. Right? Gretchen's here. Uh, so right, right, right. <laughs> Gretchen, girl. Okay, so. I don't like this guy. I find him boring. Okay, well, he has things to say, though. Remember when we put Chrissy on a nonstop train to Philadelphia like train. monsters? <laughs> also, John Legend did it. We didn't do anything. I, I watched him buy the ticket. I was like, you know that's a train with normal people, right? What? And, and you said that, and John was like, she has security, dummy. 
I was like, Chrissy, you're going to take the Acela? Okay, anyway, I digress. He was like, yeah, with our fucking security team, you peasants. 